worship. Oh, that was a great time of worship. What wonderful songs that fit so well into what we're going to talk about today. But before we get there, we want to welcome those of you who have come here and especially thank Jason for shoveling the snow, making it possible to get into the building. And um, we not only welcome those who are here, but also those who are live streaming at home, sitting on their couches in their pajamas, drinking hot chocolate and coffee and eating way too many Christmas cookies. You look way too comfortable there. Of course, Jairus uh, tells me he got new socks and underwear for Christmas, so he's more comfortable than we've seen him in a long time. I don't know what Carl got, but he looks pretty comfortable as well. So uh, again, we welcome you. We want to remind you that next week is Communion Sunday, first Sunday of the new year. And uh, we just also want to remind you of a prayer item that uh, is very important to our church family, the Callan family. All four of them have tested positive for COVID. So we want to pray for Randall and Barb and, and the kids, and also Phoebe, who's been looking after uh, Sean. She has tested negative so far, so we, we hope that that will continue to be the case. But uh, so far, they're doing fairly good. So, But we just want to pray that that will continue. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for today, for this week, this last week of the year. It gives us a time to be reflective, to think about what we've just gone through, and especially to notice the fact that uh, your faithfulness has not diminished in our lives. It has been consistent, it has been constant, and it, it has sustained us. Because the Christian life is sustainable, no matter what the circumstances, we can continue to live by faith because you are the God who makes all of this possible. So we thank you for that. And Lord, we pray especially for the Callum family right now. We thank you that so far, even though they've tested positive, they're good signs, signs of recovery. And we just pray that would continue. And we pray especially for Phoebe and, uh, and watch over her health. Uh, just watch over all of our church family, Lord, who are dealing with uh, the challenges of these days. So, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning, and we just pray that you would uh, bless us as we hear what you have to say to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. This uh, new series, three-part series, is entitled Finding Hope in the Terminal Generation. And it's all about uh, how we can be able to really connect with God in a deeper way in hard times. Not just personal difficulties, but also the, the things that are occurring on a global scale. The disasters, the pandemics, the wars and rumors of wars. And even in the last days. 
So this morning we're turning to Psalm 46 and we're going to talk about the end of the world. And as we do, we, uh, we recognize that we've almost made it. This is the last Sunday of 2020. And it's been a most challenging year, probably that, that our planet has faced since World War II. Back in January, I suspected that this could be a rough ride because according to the Chinese calendar, this was the year of the rat. And of course, China is where this crisis started. And apparently it started with some flying rats. So please stick to ginger beef, almond guy ding, and pineapple chicken balls. In 2020, the world kind of became a leper colony. We had to avoid human contact. Unclean, unclean. We had lockdowns that were intended to flatten the curve. And it seemed to work for a while. And on a personal level, many were trying to socially distance themselves from their refrigerator in order to flatten their personal curve. Well, that didn't work quite as well. And then we were hit by a second wave, and that made it worse than ever. And I saw a church sign that said, God, please reinstall 2020. It has a virus. Now, this actually, if you think about it, was supposed to happen 20 years ago. Remember Y2K? That was going to disrupt everything. But it turned out to be a false alarm. Well, stay tuned. 2020 is Y2K 20 years later. And it's gotten so intense that people have even started wondering if we're in the last days. So conspiracy theories and apocalyptic scenarios have spread like a pandemic. And I didn't take them too seriously until December the 10th. You may remember that at the height of the first wave, when everyone was panicking, we only had about two dozen deaths in Alberta. But on December the 10th, the newscast announced that in our province this year, 660 six people had died. And that number sounded very familiar. Where have I heard this before? Six, six, six. Of course, it's in the book of Revelation. Is it a coincidence or are we in the end times? Well, 2020 caught everyone by surprise. No one saw this coming except those scholars who study the book of Revelation. Because worldwide pandemics are similar to the events described in chapter 6 of Revelation. Has God's judgment begun? What if this is the end of the world? Well, if it is, there is no vaccine and no science that can protect us from divine retribution. When we reach the end of the world, it will be a terrible, traumatic time and not just with pandemics, but with famines and fires and earthquakes, wars and rumors of wars, and severe economic distress for everyone except Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos. Because if you want to keep getting those packages from Amazon, you have to use their new PIN code, 666. The Bible says that at the end of the world, most people will despair. 
They will not repent, but they will despair. And yet many others will find courage and hope. And it will happen in the same way it's always happened, which is clearly explained in Psalm 46. This is a psalm of verse 2. It says the earth the world. And it's filled with cataclysmic events. In verse 2, it says, The earth gives way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, the waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake in their surging. Here we read about nature going berserk. We have massive seismic upheavals and category 5 disasters. And then in verse 6, we have human nature going berserk. It says, Nations are in an uproar, and kingdoms fall. All hell is breaking loose. You've got China and Russia and North Korea. You've got red states and blue states and maybe the zombie apocalypse. Imagine what that could do to your pension plans, not to mention your non-refundable vacation reservations. And many will say, not now do we have to do this now. I just put a down payment on the wedding ring and rented the hall. If 2020 was frustrating, an inconvenient, an unpardonable interruption. The last days is going to make this seem like a pleasant Saturday afternoon in the park. So much worse is coming according to the Bible, which means that maybe this was our first alert, a test to see if we're prepared for the tribulations ahead. 2020 was kind of like a, a stress test to determine the condition of our faith. So how did you do? Well, my results were mixed. There are definite deficiencies in my faith that I wasn't aware of previously. But this prolonged pandemic has exposed the condition that my condition is in. You see, I can handle an acute emergency much better than a chronic crisis. If it's short-term, I've got this. But when there's no end in sight, I'm definitely going to need cheese with my wine because I did a lot of that in 2020. And it wasn't new wine, it was really fermented. So this pandemic made me realize that I need to reset my faith to the manufacturer's specifications. And maybe you do as well. So in this series, we're going to focus on that word, reset. We've actually been hearing more and more about that lately. Politicians and economists are recommending a great reset that will prepare us better to cope with the global crises we face. Not just coronavirus, but climate change, terrorism, poverty, human rights abuses, etc. And we'll say more about that next week. But I believe that on a spiritual level, there are times when we have to reset our faith because we tend to get distracted, especially in times like this. Maybe we've drifted, we've become careless. We've certainly become more vulnerable to anxiety. When Simon Peter took his eyes off Jesus and focused on the storm, he sank like a rock. It was time for a reset. And this is what Psalm 42 is all about. Because here you have dangerous and destructive forces being unleashed. It's the end of the world as we know it. 
So the obvious reaction is to panic and run for your lives. Although those are natural reactions, they are not necessary because there are other options available. Because this psalm encourages us to see beyond the obvious dangers we face and consider the greater context. Verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Was that still true in 2020? Of course. But maybe we forgot. And that's when we have trouble coping. So let let me remind you, God is our refuge and our strength. Could somebody close the back door there, please? Thank you. God is our refuge and our strength. We have a refuge. In action movies, they often talk about a safe house. When the forces of evil are tracking down our hero, whether it's Jason Bourne or somebody else, he heads for a safe house where his enemies can't find him. That's his refuge from danger. Well, we also need a refuge. And fortunately, there's a number of safe houses right here in Calgary, like 668 Arbor Lake Drive, 179 Royal Birchway, 240 Edgebank Circle and 236 Silver Creek Way. In fact, our church directory has a full listing of safe houses because as a follower of Jesus Christ, God is your refuge and you are safe in his care. God is our refuge and in strength and ever-present help in trouble. Just think about that, ever-present help which means he has a perfect attendance record. He's never been absent. He doesn't even take a sick day. Ever-present help. Wouldn't that be great? Because help is so hard to find. You usually have to wait and wait. You need a furnace repair? Well, we can come next Thursday. But it's freezing. Well, just put another shrimp on the barbie. You need your car towed? There's a 12-hour wait. Your router isn't working? We'll schedule you for a service call next Tuesday between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. You need an MRI? It could take half a year. When I put a hold on a movie at the library, I'm informed that there are 400 people ahead of me. I'm going to have to wait for months before I can see SpongeBob SquarePants. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. God does not put us on hold. Your prayer is important to us. Please stay on the line and it will be answered in the order it was received. No, God is already here. He is an ever-present help. Jesus is with us always, even to the end of the age. He never says, I'm sorry, but your warranty has expired. It was good for 50 years or 50,000 prayer requests, whichever comes first. No, the contract has not expired. It's in effect from here to eternity, even to the end of the world. And that is good news. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, 
we will not fear. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake in their surging. When God is with us, disasters cannot overwhelm us with paralyzing fear and undermine our faith. Verse 4 says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. That almost seems out of place, unusual. We've got all these disasters, and all of a sudden, you have these verses that talk about peace and, and safety and security. You know, this psalm really, I think, is sort of a summary of the book of Revelation, because in the book of Revelation, you have two things contrasted. You have terrible woes on earth and triumphant worship in heaven, and it switches from one to the other, back and forth. Because in God's presence, there is peace. Instead of roaring waters, you have streams that gladden the city. God's presence can give us peace in the worst circumstances. In the refuge of God's care, it is well with your soul. When our emotions roar and foam, we need to reset them to the refreshing streams app. But the dangers are increasing. Verse 6 says the nations are focused, kingdoms fall. That doesn't look good. But keep focused on God. We spend way too much time focusing on the obvious problems. In fact, Alberta Health Services has recently released a strategy for coping with this pandemic on an emotional level, including a helpful tip to reduce stress and anxiety. And what they've advised is limit the time you spend watching or listening or reading news about COVID-19. Limit the time. Seek information maybe once or twice a day. That's good advice. We should instead fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18 says... So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal, therefore we do not lose heart. That's the way we should have approached life this year. Not to focus on the things that are seen. We know what's going on. We all know this stuff. We've got no new information, just a bunch of numbers going up and down, up and down. But there's something unseen that is far more important. And that's why we don't lose heart. Verse 7 says, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then it uses the word selah. Now, I wonder what that word means, selah. Well, I have a theory. I think that's his wife. Selah, come for dinner. Selah, it's time to milk the cow. He's writing this psalm, and his wife keeps uh, trying to get him away to do some chores. I don't know, that's just a theory. But, it, but it's a good one. 
So he says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So God is not only our refuge, he's also a fortress that cannot be breached or overthrown. Aren't you glad that God is more successful at building strong, impregnable walls than Donald Trump was? So don't become transfixed by the dangers around you. Verse 8, come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. We need to look at God's resume. What has God actually accomplished so far? Well, if we look at that, we find that he's already solved the biggest problems of history and the greatest problems of our lives. For one thing, God has solved the problem of sin. For if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5. He solved the problem of sin, and he solved the problem of death. Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15. He solved the problem of sin, the problem of death, and also the threat of damnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And then there's a lot more where that came from. Just think of all his promises. Not one of them is going to fail. And we'll look at more, more closely at that in two weeks. So if 2020 left you kind of dizzy and disoriented, then you need to refocus your faith. And verse 10 is the reset button. Verse 10 says, be still and know that the vaccine is coming. Be still and know that life is going to get back to normal. Be still and know that your dreams will all come true. No, you have to look at a much bigger picture. Verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This pandemic has not had any impact on that. Everything was canceled except that. So instead of panic, instead of whining, instead of emotional paralysis, be still. And notice it doesn't say, pray up a storm. Because in a crisis, when we start praying, there's so much drama and noise. No, it says, it doesn't say cry out to God. It just says, be still. Turn down the volume. Push the mute button. Just be still. And focus on God. Well, is this anything like keep calm and chive on or find your happy place? Well, no, this is not the mannequin challenge. Being still doesn't mean you go into a state of mental hibernation. Being still means you face the facts from God's perspective. These problems are not happening in a place somewhere outside of God's presence, beyond the reach of his love. Every challenge we face happens within the presence of a God who cares for us. So be still and know 
that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. As I think back over this, this whole year, we've had so many press conferences. And they've all kind of been saying the same thing. But I don't remember one press conference that reminded us to do this. Only God's word. I will be exalted in the earth. I will be exalted among the nations. Which means that God is bigger than your biggest problem. You see, the number one mistake in the spiritual life is to underestimate God. And that's why the enemy spreads a lot of fake news that questions God's abilities. They put out alternative facts that could make us doubt his affection for us. But those myths were busted by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Christ's death on the cross proves exactly how much God loves us. You can't love anyone more than that. And his resurrection proves how much power he has. Whatever the challenge, God is able. Be still and know that I am God. And we can't be still when we're running around trying to fix things. And we can't be still when we're running away. Charlie Brown, the theologian, once said, no problem is so big, you can't run away from it. Well, this year, Charlie Brown met his match because he'd never experienced a pandemic. Where do you go? There's nowhere to run. So what's the option? Be still. Because if we can't be still, we, we just can't see God in his majesty and in his mercy towards us. Being still helps us reset our faith and we realize God is bigger than our problems. And one day, one day, everybody is going to witness this reality. It says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Man, am I looking forward to that. Because what we do here on Sunday morning, you know, confined in these walls, is going to be spread out over the whole city. We experienced a little bit of that in, in Kenya when the Christians on Sunday just go throughout the city and there's preaching and singing and worship everywhere. I remember back in the 90s in Edmonton, we used to have the Jesus March for about 10 years. All the churches got together and thousands of Christians would march through the city. It was an amazing experience. And then we'd gather at the parliament buildings and have this huge rally. That's just a little taste of what this could be like. This is going to be a reality. I will be exalted in the earth. So what are you looking forward to as you think about the future? Well, right now we're hoping for a better year. We want the vaccine. We want life to get back to normal. But there are much bigger issues at stake. When we look ahead, this is what we should be hoping for and focusing on when God is exalted in all the earth. Obviously, that's not happening right now. In 2020, irreverence was more virulent than the pandemic. 
more and more people tested positive and no one was working on a vaccine. And this is much more serious than coronavirus. Because as the Bible says, we're going to have to give an account for every careless word we've spoken. Spoiler alert, irreverence demands judgment because God will not be mocked. Do people realize that? Are they repenting? Uh, not so much. But for those who revere his name, we look forward to the end of the world with all of our hearts because that's when God will be exalted among the nations and exalted in all the earth. I especially look forward to the time when the false idol of evolution that has been so exalted in our generation will be toppled from its high place and lie shattered on the ground because God will finally get the credit he deserves. I can't wait for that day. We are eagerly anticipating the end of the world because this is what it's going to look like. God will be exalted among the nations. So, recalibrate your faith to these coordinates. Reset. And in case you missed it earlier, verse 11 says, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So don't be afraid. Be still. Because as you know, you do have the right to remain silent. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. All right, all right, I'm coming. Women always want to get in the last word. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that history is moving toward a climax. And what we see now, the movement is uh, very troubling because it all seems to be moving in the wrong direction. But we know that you were using that. We know that the irreverence that we now see is going to be dissolved by the glory that will be revealed when you are exalted. So Lord, we can't help but look ahead. We can't help but look beyond what we now experience. We can't help but look at the big picture and long for that day when you will be exalted among the nations and you will be exalted in the earth. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. In your name, amen.